So Easter, did you know it's Easter? No? It's Easter? Right? He is risen? That's awesome. Easter's an interesting time for pastors. We have this amazing message, right, that, that we want everybody to hear. We want everybody to know about this Jesus of ours, that, that he overcame death, that he rose from the grave. He offers us eternal life. He wants to be involved in our day-to-day life. He wants to be a part of everything that we do. He wants to hear the little stuff, um, but he, the big stuff, the little stuff. He wants to know everything that's going on in our life, and he wants us to seek him in it. It's an awesome message, and we get to speak about that all, the, all around the year. But, but on Easter, we get this. You know, it's like, he is risen. It's, it's just an awesome day. We also wrestle with this. How do we get this message to people? How do we get them to stick around? A friend of mine is... Uh, I, I have a group that I meet with, this accountability group, and, and, and part of our conversation, he, he said, you know, I'm just, I'm working on this message because I really, you know, I, I want to say the right thing to get them to come back. You know, I know that there's going to be more people there, and if I can just say the right thing, maybe they'll come back. And we wrestle with that as pastors because we know there's some folks often in, in, in church that don't come all the time. I'm wrestling it with it from a different point. You see, we're about to enter a series called Not a Fan. It's from Kyle Eidelman. And the point of that sermon series is that we're not called to be fans of Jesus Christ. We're called to be followers, fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And he was wrestling with that one Easter about how to go about doing that. And I'm going to let him fill in the gaps. This, this, this video is, is titled A Message to Pastors, but I think it's important for everybody. So... A few years ago, I was working on a sermon for Easter weekend, but it just wasn't coming together. I started to feel more pressure because I wanted to say something that would make all the people want to come back. I started to ask myself some questions. Now, what could I preach on that would have a big impact? What would be a big hit? What would be the most appealing sermon that I could preach to this crowd? And so I came in here and just began to pray about what I should preach on. I was surrounded by thousands of empty seats. More than anything, I want those seats to be filled. And I get tired of people who only come on Christmas and Easter. We call them creasters around here. And I was thinking that perhaps the best way to get them to come back is to say something that they would just find appealing or they would find entertaining or they would find amusing. And so I began to pray about what my sermon should be on. I opened up the Bible and I, I thought, maybe Jesus, when he taught the large crowds, maybe he can teach me what I should be talking about. And so I began just to study the different places in the Gospels where he would preach to the biggest crowds. And I discovered something that I had never noticed before. And it broke me as a preacher. I found that when Jesus would stand in front of the large crowds, he most oftentimes did not say what they want to hear. He didn't seem too concerned about making sure they came back. His goal 
was not to get as many people in the seats as possible. When he would preach to his largest crowds, he would most often say something that would challenge their level of commitment to him. See, it wasn't the size of the crowd that he cared about. It was the level of commitment in the crowd. And so on that Easter weekend, I stood up on the stage and with tears in my eyes, I looked out to a crowd of thousands of people and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for selling Jesus cheap. I'm sorry for watering down the gospel in order to get a few extra people in the door. I never want to do that again. And so in case I haven't been clear enough in the past, there is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no salvation without surrender. There is no believing without following. There is no life without death. And my prayer is that the church would never be a stadium full of fans, but it would be a group of completely committed followers. And that's what I want. A group of completely committed followers. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus, right? It's easy to sit in the bleachers and go, way to go, go guys, carry that gospel. I'm cheering you on. It's harder to get on the field. You might get hurt if you actually get in the game. But it's what we're called to. It's what we're asked to do. It's who we're made to be in relationship with God who will draw us nearer and give us strength and do all these things. This reminds me that getting someone to say yes in a moment is not the same as walking with someone who says yes for a lifetime. Caden and Lane are, are beginning a journey with us this morning. And it's easy to, to go, all right, way to go, great moment. But if we're going to be the church, you're not alone, Caden. Where'd Lane go? You're not alone, Lane. We're in it together. This group of folks here is in it with you what we're supposed to be. It's who we're called to be. I happen to be blessed to have a fire family in my small group. I know that there are some folks who are uh, police officers in this congregation. Robert, you here? Where, where'd you go? Oh, he's guarding. <laughs> All right. Well, then that fit. <laughs> There's something that happens when you live life together. Fire family had a loss this past week in an accident and they sought to raise how much? Yeah, the goal was 5000 but because it's a fire family and they're in life together, you know, it's 30000 at this point. Corey told a story in our small group and I encourage you to find a growth group, growth group as we go forward because we're meant to live this thing together. Uh, three fire, firemen who got hurt in a training 
uh, accident. And so they were in the hospital and they had these notebooks. And people from the region came to support them while they were in the hospital. That's living life together. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's who we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to come just on Sunday and then say, I hope you have a great week. That's why one of the things I sent out this, this week, I posted or did something with, I want to know what's going on. You know, Let's put together a list. Who's playing a game and doing something somewhere so that we can go and support one another? Live together. Live this thing out together. That's what we're called to do. We're on a journey. We want to walk beside folks in this place. We want to be a part of life together. We want that in, in this place. Our, our vision is to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life, and you don't do that without engaging with one another. We want to be part of the joys. We want to be part of the struggles. We want to be part of all of it. We want to be the kind of place that helps someone move furniture on a Saturday morning. Well, that's not completely true. We didn't, but Corey and Lane and Noah did. Again, get involved in a small group because that we were able to go help one another, live life together, be a part of one another's life. And we were there in spirit, Marion. <laughs> what I don't want to get lost in the amazement of he is risen is that it required his life. That he had to die first. There's a great cost involved in this journey of ours. But please hear me, it's worth it. It's worth it. The passage for this morning is out of Matthew chapter 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The offer from Jesus that he gives to us of this relationship, of this eternal life, is that kind of gift. It's the kind of gift that once found leads us to become willing to give up all, everything else, to, so that we can have this gift that's given to us. I wanna, I will, I'll, I'll sell everything and buy this field of salvation, this field of relationship with God. I want this pearl that, that is, a, is a relationship, the Holy Spirit living in my life and working through me. I want those things. They are worth everything to me. I'll give up everything to do it. That's the kind of thing, that's what God is asking. That's what he wants from us. And know this, that, that folks are going to go, what are you doing? Sell, you're selling all your stuff to go buy this field? It's just a field. No. No, it's much more than that. Much more than that. And life isn't going to suddenly start to just get easy all the time. Life is what it is, and sometimes it's our turn in the barrel. The path to the Christian life has some requirements. I think Kyle Ottoman put it really well. There is no forgiveness without repentance. To repent means to turn from. And it's a requirement for following Jesus. And that makes perfect sense, right? Because we need to turn from the things that are in the way of following him. We need to, if I keep doing everything how I want to do it, you know who I'm following, right? I'm following Mike. If I want to follow Jesus, then I need to turn from the things that Mike wants to do all the time and align those to the things that Jesus wants. 
kind of logical, but it's not that simple. Or not, it may be that simple, but it's pretty hard to let go of the things in my life that I want to do and make them secondary to the things that Christ would have me do. See, Mike isn't the one that conquered death or rose from the grave. That was Jesus. And living like a believer, is, which is what that is, matters because there is no salvation without surrender. To truly follow Christ is to surrender to the reality that I can't, but he can. To let go of, of the, the, that constant, I have to do it all on my own. Salvation is from the Lord. To be saved is to surrender to that truth. Salvation is from the Lord. And there is no life without death. And that's at least twofold. First is that Jesus had to die because without that we don't have eternal life. It would be a one and done. But it's way more than that because he was willing to go to the cross. But it the secondary part of that, and I'm going to use me as a bad example, is I have so many things in my life that keep me from fully following God as he would have me to follow him. Spend too much time on social media some days. Social media is not an evil thing, but it can get in the way of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I follow too much WWE wrestling. I didn't even get one amen in there. Come on now. <laughs> Nothing wrong with WWE or whatever it is that, that you spend time with as long as it's not getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ and, 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 you're, and we're not letting that take that place. I have to be willing to let go of anything. I need to, be let, to let go of anything to surrender if it gets in the way of my relationship with God. Am I willing to turn away from or repent from those behaviors? We're to pick up our cross daily, as Paul would tell us. Pick up our cross daily and follow him. Now, the cross is an interesting thing because it's a tool of execution. How many of y'all have a cross on this morning? Would you wear a, an electric chair around your neck? Kind of funky, huh? It's like, uh, <laughs> no. But that's what the cross was until Jesus came and he changed all that, right? Today, the cross can be a reminder to love God, that, that vertical beam, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. The cross is a call to die to those things in our life that are in the way of our relationship. It's a reminder that I am to pick up my cross daily and follow him. It can be those things, and that can be transformative for us. But if my relationship is about words only, and not words and action, then I'm playing a game that I'm going to lose in the end, because there is no believing without following. I can say that I believe whatever I want to believe. It's going to be borne out in what I do. And don't miss here. I'm not saying that we're righteous, we're works righteousness, and that what we do is what saves us. That's a grace thing. But when we bring Christ into our heart, then we don't do the same things. 
the proof is in the pudding, as the saying goes. Jesus Christ came, lived among us, God made flesh, died for us, and rose from the grave. His death was costly. His death was costly. And his gift, because of that, is eternal.